Jenny broke up with me on Instagram. So I said, Excuse me! She's pro wrestling's queen of mean. But behind the scenes, she's got a heart of gold and a lifetime of experiences. From no-holds-barred tales of her relationships and rivalries to conversations with A-list superstars, the real Vicky Guerrero is ready to talk. Welcome to Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Excuse me! Excuse me. Excuse me. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. I am not Vicky. As you know, I am Jerry Strauss, the producer, occasional co-host, actually co-host this week, as you're going to hear in just a moment. Uh, So happy to be back here uh, on the microphone with you guys. Hope it's okay with you. And uh, we're so happy that you're here with us here on Excuse Me. We've got a really, really big episode this week. We'll get to that in one second. Of course, my prerequisite, my cheap plug for my own podcast, The Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. You can hear your friend and mine, Vicky Guerrero, on that show with her catchphrase of the week each and every week. We talk to your favorite stars from the funniest shows on TV, past, present, and yes, hopefully even the future. So uh, we've got a really great one this week, actually. You guys are going to love this because for the first time, we are delving into the world of pro wrestling, a classic conversation that I had with one of the most uh, certainly entertaining personalities in pro wrestling for a number of years, C.J. Perry. You know her better as Lana from WWE, and uh, we have a throwback conversation with her this week on the Laugh Track. You can check it out anywhere that podcasts are available, or go to our website, laughtrackpod.com, find us on social media, make sure you check it out, it's a really fun conversation about life in and out of WWE with Lana C.J. Perry, but on to this week here on Excuse Me, big things here, you've been hearing about it on our social media for some time, a conversation with probably the hottest tag team free agents that we have seen in this business in many, many years. When they landed with All Elite Wrestling with AEW a couple of months ago, it was big, big news and for very good reason because they are unique, they are trend-setting, groundbreaking, and they're doing it all by upholding a lot of the old-school essence of what pro wrestling it is bringing it into 2020. They're just really cool guys who love what they do, and they're here to answer all of your questions. We got flooded with questions for these two men. Of course, I am talking about FTR, and you guys sent questions from all over the globe, everywhere from England to India, and of course, right here in the U.S. We got through a lot of your questions. We shouted out as many of you as possible, and we had a lot of fun. So without any further ado, it's Vicky Guerrero, it's me, and it's FTR here on Excuse Me. All right, guys, we are ready to go. And, uh, you know, Vicky, I I have to say, we've had a lot of really, really exciting names here. Lots of big names, lots of your old friends here on the show. We have never experienced an outpouring of, of engagement of people wanting to ask questions to our guests like we did this week because uh, these guys are clearly one of the hottest things going in pro wrestling today. FTR is on the show. 
What's up, guys? Oh, right. What's up, guys? It thanks, feels, for that, thanks for that pop, Vicky. Yeah, You're it welcome. feels good to be as over here as we are in our own heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, I am just, I am such a big fan of yours. And I haven't really, I got to sit down and talk with y'all since, you know, being backstage AEW. Um, I've gotten to talk to Dax a little bit at the airport. But I just want to say that, um, you know, observing you guys backstage and seeing y'all in the ring, what, y'all are just so humbled and such a legacy that y'all are y'all creating for yourselves and just polite gentlemen i observe a lot backstage you know you have a lot of time back there to sit and watch everyone and i just want to say i am so honored to have you on my show oh well don't be honored the reason we probably haven't spoken too much to you besides the fact that we're all busy but we are very uh, shy to come up to you as well <laughs> yeah, so. okay. We're what? big, we're, yeah, yes. we're, we're big fans, and you're a beautiful woman, so two, oh. that's two whammies for us. Okay, um, take, take off your video screen. Is <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we appreciate you saying that. We're, we're, we just love, we are infatuated with professional wrestling, and we love the, uh, the opportunity that we have right now in front of us with AEW. Um, and we're humbled by that. Yeah, it's, we were talking just a little bit ago. It's just overwhelming the support we've gotten since we've decided to kind of walk away from what we knew and everything we had worked for and to, to start fresh and to start over. And the amount of people that have like reached out to us or told us how proud they were of us, it's been overwhelming. But we've always tried, like, we're very hard-headed we're very outspoken but when we're dealing with human beings like face to face we, we always try to be as respectful as we can because that's how we were raised and we don't think we're any better than anybody else like we don't except we're in the ring in the ring 100 percent better than everybody else but, yeah, but shows, when it comes <laughs> when it <laughs> when it comes to real life we're just two like north carolina guys who are lucky to be doing what we do where we do it and we want to help as much as we possibly can because we we owe it to professional wrestling. Well, you know, we're, we're going to touch this a little bit. Um, we have a lot in common because uh, we're both from WWE. And uh, you guys were known as The Revival. And yeah, we're there for about six years, correct? If I'm yeah. Okay. Together, yeah. And you guys had the SmackDown and the Raw Tag Team Championships plus NXT. The um, only team ever. Yeah. Only team I mean, ever. What an incredible legacy you guys left. Um, I, I, I did listen to some of your interviews, and something that really caught my attention was that the reason I left WWE was I'm so grateful for WWE. I mean, the legacy I, was, I got to create there will never be forgotten, and it's always a, a memory in my heart. But y'all mentioned something that to just to get through creativity for something we want to do in a segment, it took 20 fucking people to get through this <laughs> just to get an idea that maybe would have, it wasn't for that night. It was maybe like three months I would hear about it. I'm like, I asked you guys like three months ago about this and it's too late now. And we, we do have that in common. And it's such a shame because, you know, WWE does have a platform that's, you know, it's a great show. They have great talent. A lot of my good friends are there, but it's such a, um, I know you Headache. Guys, yeah. And it's such a broken, it's a broken system of communication there. And, and it's a shame because, you know, um, everyone wants to give Vince their ideas and 
there's you know so many people to get to that one person which is impossible i mean you have a, a line of when people. <laughs> when the top of the pyramid himself tells you that the system is broken then you can kind of yeah you can you can assure that the system is a little bit broken yeah, our very last meeting it's funny you say that our very last meeting with vince he told us he apologized to us because the system was broken and the thing, the crazy thing is, is, and I am one wine and one Tito down, so hopefully I'm not going to be too outspoken. I love Tito's. Oh you're going to get the good stuff tonight. Night. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting the good stuff tonight. I'm a couple <laughs> of Tila's deep, so. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because Vince wants to hear those. He wants to hear those ideas, whether he wants to use them or not, because, you know, he just like everyone, he has an ego. Um, but he wants to hear those ideas. But the 130 people that you have to go through to get those ideas, they're so afraid to, to, to be face-to-face -face with him. You know, that, that, that blows my mind. Like, uh, I understand he's an enigma, you know, and I understand that he's created his own uh, kind of legacy, you know, in the, the minds of people in the business. But uh, they're, they're so afraid of losing their job because they, they pitch an idea um, they don't, they don't want to, they, they want to stay as low key as possible so they can get a paycheck the next week. And that's sad. That's yeah. a sad place to be. Yeah. Vince, I mean, he, he's obviously a genius. He's revolutionary. He's changed wrestling without a doubt. There's no denying what he's done and he's earned that right. He owns this business. One of, if I'm sitting face to face with them, one of us is a billionaire and one of us is not. So who am I to argue what's right and what's wrong? But at the end of the day, what works for him doesn't always work for me. And I want to be happy. He wants to be happy. We want to be happy doing what we love. And if we're not, if it's not fulfilling for us, if it's not making us happy, if it's making us miserable and if we're getting angry, and if I see people on a weekly basis that I, I absolutely hate because I know that they have the power to go to them, but they don't want to out of fear, then why am I doing it? It's, it's all for not. There's no point in me beating my head against the wall repeatedly thinking the wall is going to collapse before my skull cracks. Like there's, right. it's just better, best to walk away. Like I said, it's his business. He's earned this right to do whatever he wants with it. And that more power to him. Congratulations. Like he he's done it, but that doesn't mean I have, I don't have to stay there and do this if it's not making me happy. Right. And you know, and to stay complacent in such a, a career that's fast moving, you have to always keep evolving and reinventing yourself and when I found myself in the locker room more than inside the ring, I was like, there's something wrong with this picture. And we've, we've seen people just accept the fact that they're, they're not going to be able to change it and they become complacent and they just, yes. they become a shell of what they're capable of and they forget what they're capable of. So they just kind of, they zone out, they, they tune out and they just coast until they can't coast any longer. And we never wanted to be that. So we just, we either, became the squeaky wheel and we became the headache and the guys who had an ego and were, <laughs> were more over in their heads. Vicky, Vicky, it's, it's crazy. You know, we, we stay on the road. Um, I say this uh, coming from the most humble place in my heart that I can, we stayed on the road and we had more matches than anybody else in that company for almost two straight years. Um, and we never were figured in to a main event spot, but they knew they could count on us. So I was home maybe two days a week, you know, um, and that was a good week. And I would sit on my two days at home, I would sit at my kitchen table on my laptop and I would write up these ideas and these, uh, these angles and these storylines, take time away from 
my wife, who I'm in love with, my daughter, who he I'm is. in love with, <laughs> to, to a fault. Um, and I, just because I wanted us to do some good for wrestling, not well, I want us to do good in wrestling. And it's not even the wrestling. fact that we think we're the greatest thing on God's green earth. It's the fact that we just want to contribute. We want to give back to a business that we love and that, that's given us so much. We, we're not okay with just doing nothing. We're not okay with just being there on the sidelines to plug in and play whenever you need a silhouette. We want to, we want to contribute. We want to give back. We owe it to wrestling Absolutely. to contribute and to do something meaningful. And if you don't want us to do that, that's fine. But we're going to fight it every step of the way. Good for you guys. So let's fast forward to May 27th when you guys debuted at AEW. Uh, I was in the audience and I saw you guys drive up in this badass truck and I was I like, holy shit! Like, you guys <laughs> just took everyone's breath away because we were like, it was such a, it, it was such a great entrance and everyone just popped for you guys and I was like, damn, this is going to get interesting now. And I mean, we're so honored to have you at AEW. And uh, to see you guys work is such, I, I think if Eddie was alive, he would just love the technical wrestling that you guys do. You oh, know, don't make us cry. You oh, don't I understand mean, how much Eddie has influenced the two of us. Honest to, honest to God, like when we were talking about the, the interest and how we wanted to debut, we talked about Eddie and we talked about Stone Cold as influences oh. because they were two guys who, regularly drove some sort of vehicle to the ring and Eddie always had a <laughs> badass classic car everywhere he went. And that was one of the things that we can find the text if we just scroll back through far enough where we were saying like, man, Eddie like had these cool interests. Maybe we could do something like that wherever we're you we, you keep putting us over though. Go ahead. Yeah, we thought like we'd be it. traveling more. So we now we've only had the one truck in Jacksonville, but you know, this <laughs> pandemic thing happened. Yeah. No, but I mean it's such um, you know, you guys uh have you know went against uh, many of the tag teams at AEW, well most of them but you guys have a technical wrestling that's not about the flips and the you know the the hoopla you guys are just downright down technical wrestling and i love it because the psychology you guys have in your match it makes me want to see what the story is going to tell me at the end of the at the end of the match and I love, I love just how you guys take your time and it's not about getting all your shit in it and, you know, five or it 10 minutes. Finished. I, I just, you know, a lot of guys and, you know, there's some great talent at AEW and everywhere, but <laughs> I love when you guys as a tag team can just sit there and take your time. And I am wanting to read your story when you guys are in that ring. And that's such a fascinating idea to me and thought whenever you guys come on, I'm like, I'm getting my popcorn out because I'm going to sit here and watch the story. And it's just so entertaining because it takes me back to like the Mexican, you know, wrestling when Eddie was training in Mexico, you guys just have this entertainment of good holds, good psychology. And I'm just, I can't put you guys over enough because it's just so fucking awesome to see you guys work in the ring. Well, I, we appreciate that yes. uh, so much. And, and, I'm glad that you noticed that and I'm glad you pick it up because that's something that we, um, that we pride ourselves on and we're, we're very prideful guys, you know, North Carolinians. Uh, but the, the, the wrestling part, um, I think so many guys are not, uh, confident in their abilities and, and, and the crazy thing is if they knew how good they were, then they wouldn't do a million things and they wouldn't do, you know, some of the things they do, uh, for, for us, uh, 
we, we want to be completely different than everybody else, you know? And um, we know that the days of people jumping the barricades and stabbing us are probably over. We get that. We hope know? not. But. We hope not. But it, but <laughs> Just a little it bit. Prob- it probably is over. But <laughs> we, had a, we had a trilogy of matches with uh, American Alpha, uh, Chad Gable and Jason mm-hmm. Jordan in NXT in 2016. And I'm so proud of that trilogy because – Both teams were virtually unknown teams, but we knew that we couldn't get the fans to hate us, but we knew that if we worked hard enough and we told the right story, we could make the fans care enough about them, the baby faces, that they would want to see the baby faces beat us. And somewhere along the way, it got lost that heels, uh, heels have to, they think they have to do, they have to do just as many cool moves as the baby face. As a heel, you have to sacrifice, you know, you have to sacrifice and you have to put your pride to the side, even though you can do like, like cash can do a million things. He can do like four fifties and all these flips and stuff and springboards, but he doesn't because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to jeopardize that baby face that we're working with. Um, There will be a time that he can break that out if he wants to, but you you can't do it every single match. Uh, There's, you know, I hate to do this because it's such a, it was such a recent uh, match we had, but with private party, we talked to them before the match. And I said, guys, we can have a, a fucking kick-ass banger of a match in 12 minutes. That's what we had, 12 minutes. And we can have, I've said it before, we can have another great match like everyone else says. Or we could tell the story, make these people dislike us because we're shitbag heels and make people actually feel for you guys because you're kick-ass baby faces and we can get sympathy for you. We can do one of the two. We can have a killer 13-minute match, 12-minute match, or we can make people feel in a certain way. And I want to make them feel uh, because that's where we can make the most money and that's how we all can get over it. Um, and that's the story of our whole career. Yeah, we, we have always prided ourselves on that the details like the devils and the details like something that we've always lived and died by <laughs> we we don't care about when we're talking about a match we don't have a set move set that's going to be like we have we have this combo we have to get in we have this move we yeah. have to get in if it doesn't work it doesn't work and we're not going to do it if the story we're telling goes off a different path then we'll, we'll go that way and, it, and we'll get something in that makes sense it's just like you said everybody got lost and they, they, they get scared if the crowd's not making constant noise, they think they're losing them, but that's not the case. Like for the most part, wrestling fans, they're invested in you yelling constantly. Isn't realistic. If you watch an NBA playoff game, they're not making constant noise. They're watching. Sometimes they're intently watching they're paying attention. And then when someone finally sinks the game winner, the three pointer from half court, like Dame Lillard always does, (laughs) <laughs> then again, everybody, you hear the noise, you hear the reactions, people lose their minds, but it doesn't have to be constant. And people should know that more. Like you said, there's so many talented guys who, if, if, there's, not an, uh, if there's not a crowd making noise constantly, they feel like they're losing them. So they, they freak out and they start doing just spot after spot after spot after spot. And I hate to keep harping on it, but Matt Hardy told us a story about when he worked Eddie one time. And it was a live event. I don't know where they were at. Matt can tell you more of the details, but they were, they were doing like a face-face thing to start out with, and they wanted to see like which way the crowd leaned. So 
you know, Andy could work heel or Matt could work heel or vice versa. And the crowd started chanting boring because they were taking their time with it. And Matt said he started to kind of like get, yeah, he wanted to go. And Eddie stopped him, snapped him over, put him in a hole and said, no, let's bore them. Until we get them. Yeah. Until we get them where we want them. And the people completely died down and then they brought them back up and they were in it for the rest of the match. Yeah. And it, it just showed that the fans don't control everything. Like yeah. that was his confidence. Yeah. You know, Eddie knew. That's the thing a lot of guys yeah. are missing. And I'll, and I'll let you talk in just a second. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. This is awesome. Go ahead. I can't do it. I can't not talk about wrestling. Eddie, Eddie just knew he had the confidence in his abilities and in Matt's abilities that they could completely take the crowd out of it because they were dictating it. They were trying to chant boring so the people, they would start moving and doing flips. And I, and I think that's the biggest, you know, I don't want to say problem because it's wrestling, you know. Yeah. Who knows what a problem is, you know, you, whatever. But I think that's the, the biggest misconception now is that if they're not making noise, that's okay. You got to just have enough uh, security in yourself and in your abilities to know that you'll get them. So you don't have to do a stupid, funny spot. Mm -hmm. um, there's a time to make them laugh, but you don't have right. to do it all the time. Uh, you don't have to do a million moves. There's a time to do moves, but you don't have to do it right now. Just be confident in your abilities and they will come. Yeah. And I remember Matt said, like, when he first got put in the hold – the crowd started clapping a little bit, so he started to come up, and that's when Eddie brought it back down. That's when he said, no, let's bore them. And he, <laughs> so, because the crowd thought they could control it. If they thought if they started clapping, then they would get up and they would start moving. And Eddie said, nope, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to sit through it, and when we want to move, we'll move, and they'll be thankful for that. And then they'll – and he was right. They were thankful for it, and they, they bid on it, and they invested in the rest of the match. And I'm, Matt said it's one of the, the best memories that he's ever had working a live event or working with a guy like that that could teach him something and say, like, he didn't just say, let's slow it down. He said verbatim, let's bore them. And he, because like, like Dak said, he knew that once they got, them, they got out of their system, they got them settled down, they could take them on the ride they wanted to take them on and the people would bite it and they would love it. And they did. So, you know, that was something important to Eddie too, because he didn't let the crowd dictate his match. You shouldn't. He, he had, he always, he was so um, hardworking that we, if he only had 10 minutes or 12 minutes in that ring, he was there to make his match with that person he's working with. Because he always told me, you know, that if you let the fans dictate your matches, you will never be able to do anything no. creative. You're, because you're a puppet. You're just a puppet at that point. That's it's right. They want you to dance. Yeah. And I, I, I tweeted recently, actually, that I, could, I love when I'm watching a random, if I just watch it, put on a nitro or a, a raw from 90s or early thousands. Don't know. I'm not looking for a particular match. I just want to watch the show. But when I see Eddie coming out, I, the tweet said something like, I know when I see Eddie coming out that no matter who he's working or what the story is, I'm going to get a fantastic match. And I stand by that to this day because he, he knew how to get people invested and how to make them care. If he was, I'm going to gush because he's probably my all time favorite wrestler. And, Oh, it's we say awesome. like he, he's the most versatile wrestler <laughs> on on the planet. Probably he could be a serious yeah. heel, a serious baby face, a comedic heel, comedic baby face, make people laugh, cry. Like talking about his match with uh, Brock, the promo where he was saying like, you, you know, I am an addict. Every time I talk about it, literally, it gives me chills. Like, yeah, that was a great sense. promo. I love that one. But he, he could do that every time, like no matter what the story was, if he wanted you to feel whatever emotion he was trying to get across, you felt it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I, I wish that more people could do that. And I wish that I had half it of that ability. 
Well, you know, and that's interesting too, because now without us having a live audience, which, you know, is starting to slowly change, but you know, this is really important for the guys and even the girls that I work with, you know, to really concentrate on your match because you don't have the audience there to listen to what's going on. And, you know, that's, the psychology can change so much in a match, especially these days, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, the girls are, you know, they want to wait for that, you know, the, the crowd to get ready for that high spot or the finish. And you have to create that for that audience at home. And that's something that is really difficult for some people to, to do because they're waiting for the crowd's reaction when you have to create the own, your own reaction in the ring without the live mm -hmm. audience being there. Yeah. It's internal. You have to have that internal knowledge that this is what we need to do when we need to do it because the crowd at home would be reacting like a crowd here live watching. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about uh, this past Saturday on uh, the AW Saturday night special when you guys came out with Tully Blanchard uh, in a jacket. <laughs> I need to talk to Nyla Rose about this because I don't have a fucking jacket yet and I've been here longer than you guys. <laughs> so I, I'm a little pissed off right now and I'm gonna have some words with her when I see her at TV, but um, what an amazing partnership this is. I mean, I love Tully so much. I love his work. And to have you guys partner with him, there's going to be some great shit happening on AEW. Yeah, I, uh, I actually called the gear maker and I made him like <laughs> rush this stuff quick uh, just because I wanted to. Our first, our first, uh, the, the first scene with us and Tully, I wanted to make sure that everyone saw that we were a team. And there was no way to make a better showing uh, of a team than to have the matching jackets. Um, but for Tony Blanchard, people, I, I don't think they understand. They, I don't think people know how good he really is. I don't, th I don't think he knows how good he was. He doesn't. Um, because, you know, in the last 30 years, there hasn't been any, you know, he's not been on national television. He hasn't had a platform to show his stuff. But if you want to learn how to be a bad guy, if you want to learn how to be a chicken shit, if you want to learn how to be just a <laughs> shitty, downright, dirty son of a bitch you watch Tully Blanchard um and then like the best like oh man the 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 best thing about him was he knew when to be a chicken shit and he knew when to be an ass kicker mm -hmm. and he knew the difference and he also knew how to shine his baby face up and he also knew uh how to get sympathy on his baby face and there and that and to me that's a lost art now you know uh uh yeah, sometimes I hate giving away the business a little too much but whatever i guess we're in the day, day age but for now people think that the heat getting the heat is grab a chin lock come up three elbows stop that baby face give them one of your cool moves that's not a that's not being a heel that's not being a good heel and that's not showing uh life for your baby face and that's not making your baby face totally knew how to make his baby face um and you know before he was a great tag team wrestler with uh, arn anderson which is one of our favorites but uh him and gino him and gino hernandez would work with guys like Mil Mascaris and Tito Santana in the, in the Southwest Territory in Texas. And so they had all these great talents to work with, but also they had Scott Casey, who was just a Texas boy. They also had guys like uh, uh, the mask, or excuse me, um, oh my God, the grapplers. You know, so they worked with such an array of talented tag teams that they knew how to work with everybody. And uh, that's, one thing that I hope people and now people are starting to see that he can he's an incredible talker too, you know. Yeah, and he, so he good. can speak and he can, you know, he knows what he's doing. Uh, and I'm so glad that we get the opportunity to share television time, uh, share part of our career with him. And I like you said, I believe it's gonna be some real good shit with oh, Tully Blanchard. You have no idea. 
and one of the things that like I kind of always think about and it blows my mind is people not realizing just how good he is at what he does and how good he, how much more he had to offer before he left the business. And like, like I said, we haven't seen him in so long. People forget how good he is, but he's just one of the all time greats. And we're not saying that because we're involved with him now. We've obviously our whole careers, we've always been very just influenced by him, by Arn, by all these guys who came before us. And we know that wrestling has evolved and we have to evolve with it. But that does not mean evolving does not mean that you eradicate what came before you. You don't have to get rid of everything there. What held true in 1984, if you do it right, holds true in 2020. Like it's just doing it the right way and putting a modern twist on it. It doesn't mean we have to just do all these overly convoluted spots that don't make sense and embarrass and expose the business. No, like, we don't have to do the same things we did back, they did back then, but we can do a, a version of it that makes sense and doesn't in, insult the intelligence of the fans today. But, you know, also you guys are compared to uh, Arn Anderson and Tilly Blanchard as the brain busters. Like, y'all have that. Dad and dad. Y'all have been referenced as that. And what a compliment that is to your legacy. And then now to be working with Tilly and have this, you know, this, this um, gosh, like this group of just, uh, notoriety that y'all are representing, you know, and, and I wish Arn, you know, could be a part of that, you know, because it would just be, I would love to see you, you know, Arn and Tully and you guys be the four horsemen. I know there's not going to be another four horsemen, but the story's man, not over yet, so. I would, I would pay, even though I worked there, I would pay to see that because that's such a, that would be such an honor to see. And I mean, like you said, who knows in this business when things can happen like that, but what a compliment to be, to be, you know, references the brain busters of, you know, what Art and what Art and Tully had done. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you know, we've, we've studied a lot of Arn and Tully. Um, they, they were incredible. You know, um, they knew how, again, going back to Tully, but they, they know how to keep their baby faces alive. They know how to keep the action going. Um, they also know how to make things look uh, real. And that that's one of the things you got to that I think is kind of missing today a little bit is uh, people. Um, a lot of the guys and girls, they uh, they just jump over and skip over. The, the the real aspect the the the, the physicality the fundamentals the punches the That's kicks storyline yeah yeah the grab snatching aside headlock is just as important as important as hitting uh 450 you know um but uh, and and that's how you make people believe is is the way those guys worked and yeah man they are incredible but now you know we're we're aligned with Tully and our goal right now is to be the shittiest human beings in the world <laughs> and get people to dislike us so much that whatever baby faces we're working with, they love them so much. Like again, private party. We want the people to love them so much. They want to see them beat us. That's our plan. That's our goal. Yeah. If you, if you watch FDR put on a chin lock, as opposed to some of the talent today put on a chin lock, it's, it's not the same. When we, when we do it, we do it with intensity and we're, we're trying to be as, as aggressive as possible and make it look like, we want to hurt whoever we're in the ring with and to win. And a lot of guys and girls just get so infatuated with the idea of getting to the next big spot, the next big car crash pop that they, they skip over that part. They just kind of, I'll do this lackadaisical headlock so I can get to my cold gymnastics. 
But you look at a guy like Pac, he's unbelievably talented and has so much body control when he's in the air. He can do anything. But when he's on the ground and he's wrestling, he has unmatchable potential uh, intensity compared to some of these people. And he, he, he has like this whole, like the whole package is just, he's so well-rounded. I wish more people would study him if they're going to do like high flying and understand how much he puts into the things in between the moves and would kind of emulate him. Wow. Uh, Jerry, do you want to get to some fan questions? I don't know how many you have for these guys. Cause there was a lot uh, that came 50, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was so many. Which thank you guys because I just built up my email subscription list. So thank y'all so much. Anything <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually thankfully hit a lot of these questions already. So what we're going to try and do is answer as many as we can uh, that we haven't touched on yet. And we these are literally from all over the world, guys. Everywhere from England to India. Uh, we heard from every corner of the world. Um, why don't we start with? Uh, Chad Smith, this is a, a question that kind of harkens back to what you started off talking about. Um, can you talk about the pressure and the ultimate satisfaction of rolling the dice and betting on yourself instead of taking the paycheck in Stanford? Now, you talked about the motivation behind your decision, but did you feel the pressure of those dollar signs um, and maybe the, the security that would come with just staying put? Um, I mean, there was a little pressure, but we – we never put the money above anything. I mean, we, our last meeting again with Vince, we had a number and it was an astronomical number, but the way we did it was, uh, we, we, we had, I, I came up with a, a, uh, a mathematical equation. We worked a hundred and we worked around 155 matches in 2019. Wow. Um, and, there were some guys that worked 17 matches in 2019, uh, that weren't injured. And some of those guys got paid almost half a million dollars for those 17 matches. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, us. yeah. Uh, we got paid a fraction of that. I mean, very, very laughable amount of money for as hard as we work. And the 155 matches were matches that we got, most of them we got asked, the pros just said, hey, do you guys mind going 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes? That happened all the time. So it wasn't like we were going out there and phoning it in, which we would have never done anyway. So anyway, I took that, I took that amount of money, divided it by the 17 matches, and I came up with a number for us. And I said, if you can give us this number, we'll stay. We'll, we'll stay here. And, of course, they didn't <laughs> want to do that, and I didn't think they would. Um, I actually even subtracted some. I, yeah, I subtract, actually, I think I – yeah, maybe I even divided you half. Did. Um, but, you know, at the time, we both were debt-free. We had saved money. Um, so money wasn't an issue for us. Um, I do have a beautiful wife and a, and a beautiful daughter at home, but, um, I knew that we're talented enough and we believed in ourselves enough that whatever we did, we would be successful. And, um, you know what, and if we, if we weren't successful, oh, well, you know, we did what we loved and we did what we believed in. And that was so much more important to me than, you know, almost a million dollars a year. Good for you. Yeah, so like you said, the, our last meeting, there there was a number thrown out that's never <laughs> like there's been a lot of like numbers reported that I've seen online. The last number was higher than anything that anybody has heard or reported, and it was one of those things where they said it and we kind of 
We did a double take and they asked us to think about it for a week. And we said, okay, we will. And when we left, we thought about it for 20 minutes or so. And, <laughs> and we went back and we said, Hey, we appreciate it. That's, you know, extremely generous and more than we ever would have imagined. But, you know, I think once, once our deals are done, we're done. And like you said, we, it's, it's hard to turn down that amount of money, but at the end of the day, above everything else, above being professional wrestlers, above being Dash or Dawson or Cash or Dax, we're human beings and we just want to be happy doing what we do. And if we're not happy, no matter, no amount of money, no matter how much we're making every week coming in, isn't going to be enough to change that. Absolutely. It's either uh, we can, we can make this, this jump and we can go into the unknown and we could go, whoever's going to come to us with the best offer or whoever seemed like the best fit for us. We can, we can take that. We didn't have anything like blocked in. We weren't sure what we were going to do. It was just one of those things where we were, we wanted to take the risk because we, we believed in ourselves and we believed that even if we make one tenth of the amount they're offering us right now, we'll be happy. We'll have this time home. We can enjoy our families and our friends and our life and it's worth it. And thank God that, we took it. We took that chance, and it's paid off tenfold. And we're happier than we've been, and I can't tell you how long. Good for you guys. All right, next one, Jerry. All right, Terry McKen wants to know. Uh, well, they say uh, you guys are one of the few tag teams. Who are the whole package from wrestling to selling to telling a story? Who I think could pull off a sixty-minute Iron Man match? Who would be your dream opponents for this style of match? We got to put some. Uh, I guess we got to put some uh, parameters on that. Is that any you know out of? Is it modern day or any team? I think it's any. I think it's all time. I would say yeah. dream opponents. Dream on. Uh, honestly, if we had to, I could pull it. It would be Chad Gable and Jason Jordan. That was, that was going to be my answer. Wow. Like out of all the teams in history, I'm sure we could have a lot of fun with any of the guys from the '80s and the '90s or '70s. But if it were up to us. Gable and Jordan are just – they're always going to be the team that I pick to work with. I mean, I, I would love to go back there, – there, Robert – I mean, Ricky Morton was a special talent. Um, no one else has ever been able to work like him. No one else was able to sell uh, like him. And, and he knew when to fire back and when it was time to make a small comeback. So I would love to work with him. But we've, we've gone 30 minutes multiple times, 45 minutes multiple times with Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. So if we were going to go an hour, it would have to be with him. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, Clarence Pryor. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, can you guys share some of your best broman, bromance moments together, uh, either on the road or in the locker room or wherever? Just uh, – I guess not, any of your uh, memories hanging not out. Not many people know this, so keep it between us. But there was one time where I had to shave Dax's back in the shower because his wife wasn't there. So keep that on the down low. But <laughs> I would say that would be our most bromancing moment. You know, a lot of tag teams never got along. Uh, you know, they didn't get along for the long haul. We've never been in an argument. And most, the majority of our careers, so because we got paid so little in WWE, <laughs> Uh, we shared rooms every night. Mm -hmm. I, I probably, I mean, we did sleep in different beds, but I slept in the same room with him for three years more than I did my wife. He had to buy earplugs because I, I, I yeah. snore sometimes. 
like I have an English bulldog at home and I have the exact same sinuses as her. So just depending on how tired I am or the weather and whatever state or city we're in, they'll flare up. And I think, I think our most bromance thing is just, you know, we're always together. Like I said, in the room together, we go have, we have coffee together. We go to the mm-hmm. gym together, go out to eat together. We do everything together. Yeah. So that's probably the most bromance thing. Coffee that's dates. Awesome. That's awesome. It's like Eddie and Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. I mean, that would, they were, if I found one, there was the other two right behind. So <laughs> if Eddie wasn't answering his phone, I'd call one of them and I, I found <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> that's awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> Uh, let's go to Kimberly Milhomez wants to know if you could wrestle in one city for the rest of your life, which city would it be? Ooh, gosh. Uh, hey, gosh. That's Make tough. Good. Yeah. Um, I guess, man, I would probably say, um, Tokyo for me, Tokyo, oh. Japan, probably, um, just because I could take my wife there. She's always wanted to go, but also I love the culture. I love the food. I love the people. Uh, there's a great coffee shop that I went to. Uh, so probably, uh, yeah. And, uh, I know that's not a, a particular location, but you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, think back to some of my favorite matches and where they were and how the crowd was for them. Um, Portland also. Portland's amazing. This is going to probably be pretty random, but Milwaukee's a really good wrestling city. And I see that face. I see the face, but Milwaukee's actually a really nice area. Not so much in the winter, but Nashville. I love Nashville. And Toronto holds a special place in our heart. Dallas, things like that. But if I was to choose one, man. (laughs) I'm just going to have to go to Tokyo with my tag partner just so we don't have to work singles matches. You know, uh, Dex, I did go to Japan uh, when Eddie was working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the audiences there are so different. They, they're so quiet. And yeah. it, was so, it was such a big contrast from seeing the audiences here, mm-hmm. you know, in the States compared to New Japan. But, um, yeah, I mean, Japan was one of my favorites. And you could go yeah. out at four in the morning and there's no crime and get sushi mm-hmm. all day long. And, yeah. I mean, it was just beautiful. Yeah. One of my most proud moments as a, you know, as far as a wrestler in the ring was we were in Japan. Uh, I think it was Tokyo. And we worked with Gallows and Anderson. And uh, we had a match for those guys, a great tag team match for those guys. And by the end of it, the crowd was free. Like you said, they started out, they were very calm and collected. But towards the end, we had them freaking out. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah, that's one of my most proud moments and one of my favorite matches we ever had. Yeah, the Good Brothers, they probably don't have as fond of memories of that night. <laughs> they had a very fateful meeting in Japan right before that match that oh. they, they regret nowadays. But, uh, yeah, that – I can't remember. I don't think it was Tokyo, actually, but I can't remember where it was. It was a really fun night, really fun match. And, like, I, I just know, like, Carl and Gallows both afterwards were like, man, that that's the feeling we've been missing for a long time. That's awesome. Okay, Jerry. All right. Uh, Liam Peterson, here's a great question. Have you guys ever felt pressure to change your style? Like, has there ever been any, any push to, you know, try and be a bit more modern and pull away from the old school stuff? 
Nope. <laughs> uh, I don't think that I, I don't think there's a real there should be a real distinction between the old school quote unquote and new school stuff. Um, wrestling has always, to me, wrestling has always been uh, built on emotion, or it should be built on emotion. So whatever my match is from bell to bell, I'm always going to think about what emotion can I strike, you know, in this moment. Um, so I've never, yeah, I've never felt pressure to, to change or like in WWE, you know, for example, um, I, I don't think that we uh, got the opportunities we should have gotten because they operate a different style. Like you have to have a certain move set sometimes. Uh, or nowadays, you have to have a certain made-for-TV moveset. Uh, you have to have, you know, all these cool little combos and stuff. But um, that's just not the that's not the style of wrestling that I grew up loving, and that's you know that's the style of wrestling that I, I'll you know I'll always want to to do is what I love. There's a bit of terminology nowadays that every time I hear it, a piece of me dies, and it's when someone says, "I have this combo." <laughs> this isn't McDonald's. This isn't Burger King. This isn't any fast food restaurant. There isn't a combo here. Don't tell me you have a combo because that doesn't make any sense to me. If it, if it can't be something that flows and fits in anywhere, and if it's not something that you don't have to hit every match, don't bring it up. It makes, it, like you said, it's built off emotion. If, I've never felt pressure to change our style, but there are times when we'll do things that people don't expect from us. Like when we worked with Penta and Phoenix, I did the the dive with the Tornado DDT because we adapt whenever we have to to whoever we're facing. Everybody should be able to adapt. Not everybody should work the same style with every opponent because if that if that's what you if that's all you you offer, then you're one dimensional. We don't ever want to be one dimensional. Like we'll do everything we can on our end to make our baby faces look better than they, they ever have. We'll do everything on our end to shine them up and to look like the shitty chicken hills that don't do anything cool and we're boring. But when it's time for it, and if there's a, a, a reason for it, we'll do things that no one's ever seen us do based off the story being told. So so we, we, we have a style that we prefer, but we like being adaptable to certain scenarios. Okay. Jay, let's go for one more question. All right, one more. Um, wow, this is. Uh, I know, out of the eighty that came in. I know, I know. It's hard to if choose. You want, okay, you can ask them, and we'll hit. We'll hit quick answers. Yeah, we can. We can. We won't. So. You want to try and rapid fire a few of them? Sure. Yeah, we can it. do that. Let's go for it. Jared Smith wants to know who do you guys feel is the more influential Express tag team, the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll Express? Oh my God, Midnight's. Uh, yeah, I'd say midnights. Okay. That's what I want. That's, that's, I'm stopping myself because that's what I want to talk for 10 minutes. Yeah, that, that one, it's hard to, to rapid fire that one because there's midnights. Yeah. Okay. All right. Blake Glavitt, did the presence of Arn and Tully in AEW preceding you guys help persuade you into signing with AEW? Yes. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, Nicholas Nibana, I've been following you guys work for a while. I'm actually in the uh, works. I'm actually in the process of making a song inspired by you guys. Question is what's next for FTR after winning the tag team titles? 
Uh, great question. Also, we really just wanted to let you know that there's somebody out there who is making a song about you right now. So <laughs> yeah. consider yourself uh, informed. We're just, when we win the belts, we are just going to change tag team wrestling and make it uh, main event level uh, storytelling wrestling again. Restore it to its former glory. Restore it to the point that it can main event, like you said, pay-per-views, dynamites, Tokyo, anywhere. Just make sure that tag team wrestling is a money-drawing part of the shows. Okay. Uh, John S. wants to know, what's your opinion of MJF, a guy who, you know, I have to believe kind of holds to a lot of the same principles that you guys do? Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I would say good guy. I like Maxwell. I think that he has a good mind for the business. He understands what his role is. He knows when to do things a certain way. Great guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's one of the brightest stars for the future of wrestling. I think he's good. Yeah, he's fine. He's a good guy. Yeah, great, <laughs> great, great little talent. But he's all right. uh, he can't handle the heat like we can. I'll just put it like that. He's young. He's still scared of people not liking him. Okay. He's, he's barely out of high school, so it's still new and fresh to him. Uh, Tanay, all the way from India, uh, referencing your, uh, your mentorship in a way in a little bit, your friendship with Bret Hart. Um, you, <laughs> this is not going to rapid fire for Dax. Oh God. Well, what, it's okay. So let's, let's try and rapid fire the question because it's a long question, but the crux of it is, uh, what is it about Brett that you guys have kind of learned from and taken into your own games? Uh, well, <laughs> Brett, uh, just everything we've already talked about, he made it, he made, uh, made you feel a certain way. I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million more. There were, uh, a lot more guys that were over and there were a lot of guys that were more over than Brett, like Austin Hogan, um, and the rock. There were never guys that were over to the level that he was, that, that people cared about him. You know, they cared about him a certain way. I don't know what it was about him, but I, was and I still am in love with him. He is my hero. Um, and there are times that I'm sitting there and I'm watching his matches and I almost get to the point of being emotional with my wife sitting right beside me and she's asking, are you okay? And like, he's just, he's just incredible. And, and, and he made you believe, he made you believe in something, you know, and that's what, uh, that's what I want to do. I just want to make people believe in something. I'll keep this as short as possible. Like you said, there were guys that were more over, but not guys that were more beloved by their fans than Brett because some of those guys were transcendent, like godlike. And Brett was a guy who you knew was human, <laughs> and that's what made you love him. He, he got you to care about what he was doing. You felt sympathy for him. He was Rocky to a T. Like Rocky was one – he was the sympathetic boxer. He was the underdog all the time, but – because he worked so hard and he tried so much and he never gave up, he was able to overcome everything and make this unbelievably successful career. And that's what Brett was able to do. He was able to humanize himself enough and make you relate to him in every single way that you you were invested in his every step. He is a great guy. I think she said, what a great guy behind the scenes, too. Yeah. And she is, or he is, yes. How great would it be, Vicky, if we could hire Brett to be a producer here at AEW, huh? 
mind boggling. <laughs> Maybe we should talk to him. Yeah. Maybe I will. I'll be in conversation. <laughs> He'll text them. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. And this isn't really even a question, but it does. I, I think it's important that we just hit this real quick, especially based on what you guys just said about about affecting people and making people care. Hi, my name is Adriana. I am a young child that just started middle school that gets bullied a lot for my love of wrestling. I want to become a wrestler more than anything in the world. It's my dream to one day work for AEW and be able to meet one of my favorite tag teams, Cash and Dax. I've been a fan ever since I saw you guys in NXT where I immediately fell in love with tag team wrestling and you guys showed me how great it is. Um, I just love you guys so much. You mean the world to me. I wouldn't be who I am without you guys. Uh, when you when you hear something like that, you know, I, I have to imagine you guys actually, you know, you feel, you understand that you have made people care one way or the other and that people really are invested in what you're doing. Uh, is, is that gratifying to you when, when you hear stuff like that? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really grounding when you hear something like that, that you've had that sort of effect on somebody's life. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Dax can say the same thing. I was always kind of made fun of for wanting to be a wrestler growing up because it wasn't a realistic goal. It wasn't a very realistic or achievable dream. And like, even like my family, you know, I loved them all, but they thought I was out of my mind when I said I wanted to be a professional wrestler at a young, young age. And kids at school thought it was the goofiest thing they'd ever heard when I started like doing backyard wrestling or training to be a wrestler but it never stopped me. So don't ever let it, somebody else's opinion of what you believe or love change what you want to do or what you want to watch or who you want to be. Just be yourself because at the end of the day, none of that shit matters. None of, none of what these kids in middle school say is going to affect you when you're 33 years old, sitting in a hotel room with your best friend, doing a podcast, doing what you love. So her name was Adriana. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, if I could talk to Adriana, I would tell her that when I was in middle school as well, uh, I got picked on too. And what I did was I decided that if they were going to pick on me for being a wrestling fan, I was going to give them a reason to pick on me. So I remember every day for a week, I wore a wrestling shirt to school every single day. And I didn't care if they picked on me because what were they going to do, fight me? Because if they tried to fight me, I would just beat them up. Or I would try to beat them up and I would gladly fight them. Uh, and then, you know, high school came along and those same people that picked on me realized, hey, he's not that bad of a guy. And we became, you know, cordial with each other. I became friends with everybody in high school. And then fast forward about 16 years later, I'm on TNT every single week in front of a million plus people. Uh, I have a beautiful wife and a perfect daughter that I'm supporting right now and have money in the bank, thank God above that I can take care of my family through. And now those people, that's those same people that made fun of me are Facebook friending me and I hit the deny button because I don't want to be friends with you now. If you couldn't support me back then, you couldn't be nice to me then, don't try to be nice to me now. So Adriana, you got a couple of fans in us as well. Yeah, if you can have one of your parents or yourself email us at bookftr at gmail.com. Let's, let's try to set something up where we can get you to a show soon whenever things hopefully returning to normal and we can get past this pandemic and not have to worry about meeting face to face. So have somebody email us and let's set something up. Oh, I'll, I'll do that. You guys are 
and I'm not afraid of smacking. I'm not afraid of smacking a bully. I don't care how old they are. So. <laughs> I'll go yell at them too. So we'll. <laughs> Vicky, we can't. We can't hear you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah. But yeah, we we'll take Vicky with us too. She's got a pretty commanding voice. So. Vicky, are you away from the microphone? Uh, can you hear me? Very vague, very faintly. When you talk, your your face doesn't come back on screen. Excuse me, can you hear me now? <laughs> Excuse me? Not very well. Really? Yeah. How's it's been that? like that. Well, there you are. There you go. You're back. I'm, I'm having a bad storm right now, so I'm trying to like make it Please. this interview. Please stay safe. <laughs> I will. Um, guys, let's talk about real quick. Uh, on September 5th, All Out, um, you guys have a couple of TVs before the pay-per-view uh, comes out. W what are your thoughts in case if you were to ever face Hangman and Kenny Omega? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, you know, our ultimate goal is to become AEW Tag Team Champions. Um, uh, you know, being champions means you have some notoriety. You have a legacy. You're, you're building on the legacy. And obviously, tag team wrestling is uh, is what we're trying to build. And the way we do that is to become AEW Tag Team Champions. And that's our goal is to be the best tag team in the world. Um, and if you have the tag team championship, not too many people can argue it. Um, so right now, um, our path to the AEW Tag Team Championship is to go through the um, – we have a, uh, you know, a, a gauntlet match. And then after the gauntlet match is over, we're going to the pay-per-view and we're going to wrestle the so-called best professional wrestler in the world. Uh, and one of our good buddies, Hangman. And I think we'll have something special for all the fans on September 5th. Yeah. It's uh, if we get through this gauntlet, when we get through this gauntlet and we go to all out to face Hangman and Omega, that is one of those things that, I feel like it's going to be a culmination of all the frustrations we've had for the past three plus years. It's going to be a culmination of us taking this, this gamble and this risk on ourselves and walking away from the known and the guaranteed and the safety net. And we've said it for the past six, seven years, however long we've been saying that we're the best tag team walk in this earth. But if we don't walk in, to all out to face them and walk out of all out with the tag team titles. Oh, that's, that's something that it's going to be humbling and it's going to kind of everything we've said and everything we've done and all the moves we've made and all the confidence we've had, it's kind of for nothing. So everything rides on these next couple of weeks, everything rides on the scholar, everything rides on all out and Hangman, hey He's one of our close friends he's one of our best friends I've known him since I was 19 years old 20 years old we're from the same area his first extra spot was one of my first extra spots worked for WWE as a paramedic we go way back we love you know getting some drinks with hangman but at the end of the day this is a business and we have to do what we have to do and hopefully he understands that like we just want to go in there and we have respect for these guys but we want to walk out as the tag team champions
That's amazing. And I, I'm going to be there. I'll be rooting for you guys. And I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader that night. And um, we want to remind our, our fans and our followers that we can see your, your t-shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees as well as shopaew.com. And you guys are both on Instagram and Twitter. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Okay. Is there, and is there anything else you guys want to promote for yourself before we say goodnight to y'all? No, just watch AEW. This week it's I mean, everything's kind of changed, but it's usually every Wednesday, 8 o'clock on TNT. Dynamite's been the best wrestling show on TV for a while now, and it's only getting better, so check it out. Yeah, thank you, Cash and Dex, so much. I'm honored to have you on my show. Thank you uh, on behalf of Jerry and I, and you guys are just incredible, and I'm honored to uh, have you on my show and to call you my friends as well. Oh, well, thank you. We're lucky to have you in AEW. Yeah, thank really? you for having thank us on. It's it's still a surreal thing for us to be doing podcast interviews, and people want to hear what we have to say. That's odd. So, well, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, have a great night, guys, and thank you all again, and good luck at All Out. Thank you. See you soon. Good night. Bye. Stay safe, Bye. please. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Excuse Me Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast platform. Check out our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash excusemevicky or follow me on Twitter and Instagram and email us at excusemevicky at outlook.com with questions or comments. Until next time, excuse me!